Hello and happy Tuesday, my friends. This is Amy Lee San Juan, and I'd like to welcome you back to another informative episode of Cisco Champion Radio, where we provide insights and visibility into products and solutions across the Cisco portfolio and trending topics across our industry. If you like our podcast, please follow us and feel free to share your favorite episodes with your colleagues and friends. And of course, if you have any thoughts or comments on what we should cover in a future episode, let us know. Talk with us on Twitter at at Cisco Champion. Okay, today we are discussing the four IT personas as defined by Gartner and specifically how these personas are enabled in Cisco DNA Center. We have a great cast of Cisco champions and experts who are going to help us uncover what you might want to know. So I think we should get started with introductions. Len, we're going to start with you. Who are you? What do you do? Hey, everybody. My name is Lynn Ledford, and I work for Sirium Networks in the Pacific Northwest, uh, doing mostly enterprise networking and security type deployments. Okay. Mark, my friend, what have you been up to? My name is Mark Lüscher. I have been working in the IT and networking space since 30 years now. And I think I'm a three-year champion. So happy to be here. Happy to have you. Okay, now on to our most excellent Cisco subject matter experts, Balaji and Shai. We are so happy to have you as our guests today. Um, can you introduce who you are and what you do at Cisco? Always. Great to talk to our Cisco champions. I'm Balaji Venkatraman. I lead the product management team for Cisco DNA Center. And Shai? Don't be shy. <laughs> I will not be shy. Uh, that used to be my call sign here as I, I'm a recovering champion. And uh, I'm, uh, I work for Cisco as a product manager for DNA Center on the go-to-market uh, side. Uh, and been with Cisco for uh, a little bit less than a year. Uh, previously, I was a customer and a champion, and I'm very excited about the product and uh, all that we have to offer. All right. Well, then let's get into it. Um, Balaji, can you kick off the discussion with a bit more background on these IT personas? What, what do they mean exactly? Sure. So customers buy the product because they have a job to do. And this is typically to manage a large network at scale and to be able to deliver an excellent user experience to their customers. While they are managing this large network, we have specialists in the team that will, like a NetOps persona, that is focused on onboarding and managing the configuration of devices. An AIOps persona that is focused on application experience and delivering the traffic end-to-end within the SLA that is called for. We have a SecOps persona that is really looking at managing and implementing the security posture of the organization. And then a DevOps persona that integrates this tool into their IT ecosystem. So if you think about these four as the anchor persona, what we want to talk about today is how Cisco DNA Center helps each of these persona, each of these people to do the jobs that they need to do in order to manage that network and deliver that best user experience for their customers. So that is what I would like to talk about today and learn from our champions 
what is happening in industry, how they are helping our customers, and how they perceive the evolution of these personas and capabilities. Okay, so let me get started. Um, I I want to cover two scenarios before I hand it over to Len. Um, the first scenario is, I would say, a smaller company, a smaller company, let's say a few, 10, maybe 100 sites. What I can see in such small companies happen is that the same person might have the same hat or the same person might have four hats, meaning that all the personas might be one or two physical people. If I look at a large organization, that's a little bit where things become much more, I would say, special. In my most recent company I worked for, we had a role which was called NetSecOps, to make it a little bit more interesting. And pretty much the role was to keep all the network components running smoothly and secure. If I look at the four personas as identified by Gartners, I could see those personas also reflected, but they would not necessarily all use the same tool because the, their personas in that case, they had their assigned um, suite of tools which they needed to use to fulfill their roles meaning SecOps had pretty much a landscape of security tools, SIEM tools, operating tools. The network part, they either used the SIEM or they used other monitoring components to get a better understanding of the network side. DevOps, that's a little bit, depending on how you see it, I can see that to enable de uh, deployments of the tool. I can also see it on the site, classical DevOps, pretty much how to implement a CICD lifecycle with all the tool landscape. And the one AI ops, um, I see a little bit uh, what Gartner is doing. For me, AI ops would more be we are doing a lot by hand. Now let's use new te technologies like machine learning and uh, statistical analysis to better understand what is going on so we can improve the end user experience from connecting to the network, connecting to the site and connecting to an application. That's a little bit how I see it, but now I want to pass the ball on to Len to see what he has to say. Thank you, Mark. Um, <clears throat> we have a few deployments as a company of DNA Center that's out there in the wild. We're finding that most of our customers are really using the, the DNA assurance pieces, right? Um, the power that comes out of DNA Center for wireless is, what we are seeing is our customers are more and more using the wireless assurance pieces. DNA Center is, Cisco Prime on steroids. It gives us so much more ability in that environment. Uh, for, for SecOps, you know, we're doing our basic SD access deployments, we're doing some VRFs, and but we're and we're beginning to dabble into TrustSec and really leveraging ICE across the network. You know, DevOps, we're back to that Cisco Prime where we have a form that we fill out and we're using that auto deployment, that plug and play, 
you know, replacing switches because we're finding for our customers, this is really a journey, right? This is a, a large elephant. And we're having to take it one bite at a time, um, you know, four or 500 switches to replace, to go from say a 2960 or a 3K to a 9K to make this a viable solution. Um, you know, really appreciate the team and, and, and what Cisco's brought to the table. It's a, uh, DNA Center is a great product and it, it's it's able to do a whole lot. And probably the biggest hurdle that we have is teaching customers to think differently. You know, in the networking world, we've never had a controller um, to be able to control our network and to get all of our information back into one space, right? Uh, Lens, I mean, so you talk about the, the assurance aspect of DNA Center, which, uh, I mean, we have just amazing capabilities. Uh, but at the same time, um, do you see that the the assurance capabilities are aligning to the AI ops and machine learning capabilities that we have uh, as far as the value is, is being yielded is really uh, our ability to consolidate the information and, and then only bubble up significant uh, information. So at this time, we're seeing in the industry, I think this is across the world, right? We're seeing IT staffs being smaller. We're having trouble hiring more qualified individuals to do the troubleshooting. So when I go into the AI part, I think about when I pull in assurance, I can automate, DNA Center is gonna say, I've got a priority one issue happening here, right? And I can click on that. And as I click on that and investigate it, it tells me how many buildings, how many users, I can see how large of an effect that this priority one ticket's happening, right? But on besides that, it also gives me a list of things to do. And I can actually run commands against devices. I can get these commands back. And at least if I am a tier one help desk person, I can do a lot of basic triage before I open a ticket and engage a senior engineer. That's what I'm seeing from the AI machine learning at this point uh, that's very helpful. Right. And and so if, if I take the conversation, the way to think about this is, you know, whenever we adopt new technology, we need specialists. But eventually, as we practice that discipline and we know how to onboard devices or replace devices or configure the device, ensure the compliance of that configuration to manage the network at scale. And, and Len, you mentioned that your the IT teams are shrinking. How do you sediment this capability, this work that people are doing into the product? And that is one of the fundamental design goals for Cisco DNA Center. If you think about Cisco DNA Center as a controller, again, a wonderful word that you used. We are talking about automation, which is how do you onboard the device? How do you maintain the configuration of those devices? But when you talk about configuration, you think about compliance to the policy. And this goes back, back to what Mark was saying, which is the NetSecOps part of it. And then once you do that, now are you able to transit traffic and configure the application on the bandwidth? And now you are talking about the AI ops and net ops coming together. But you have to integrate this into the IT ecosystem and exercise APIs. And now you talk about DevSecOps, right? So the whole idea is not to think about these capabilities that the, and the jobs that the people do in isolation, but to end up with a set of capabilities if you have specialists they can exercise those particular areas. But otherwise, what we want to be able to do is put a CCI in box. Whether it is the machine learning capability that is going to take information from multiple domains 
and deliver insights, like you pointed out, Len, that then prescribes the actions that you need to perform. Or you take a set of APIs and turn that into Terraform or Ansible playbooks so that a DevOps engineer, a development engineer, doesn't need to understand the specifics of a particular API, but can get the job done. That is what we are focused on. We'd love to hear from you if you're seeing similar trends in the industry or usage of the product in that manner. We are from the plug and play part. But if we think about the evolution of networking, right? I've always thought that the wireless guys were smarter than the route switch guys, right? We have a controller. We put one config on the controller and I program 500 access points. I go to a route switch guy and they're going to pound the keyboard on 500 devices, correct? So now that we have DNA Center and we can begin to templatize and use some of that information, right? Whether it's APIs or whether it's just a template push, at least now all my configurations can be consistent. I mean, I, I'm sure Mark can chime in of how many environments he's been in where there were nine different configurations across the environment. And there was no Only consistency. Nine? <laughs> <laughs> but we're seeing this, right? And that's what I'm seeing. But the other part is with great ability from an API comes great risk. Because if I fat finger something, I didn't just affect one switch, I now affected the entire 500 switches. And how hard is that to go back? Because I may not have put a reload in 10 back in that. Does that make sense? Um, Definitely makes sense. I think something I wanna add is what we what we see is also shift a little bit in the net ops role. The net ops role in the past was more like, yeah, something is happening. I need to triage it. Level one, level two, level three. But what's happening now is because we are very constrained in finding new people in our networking industry the demand to automate certain simple actions and more complex actions becomes more and more critical. Because we see benchmarks which pretty much say if you do a fully uh, automation of your network site, you might be able to reduce your headcount by let's say a third or the third headcount can do tasks which are more valuable to the company and they no longer need to do the boring stuff which should be done simply automatically. So what I would like to hear a little bit from our PM guys is how that fits into the whole DNA story. I, th I think it fits uh, really well into the, the whole DNA story. Uh, one of the things we see customers uh, coming forward and, and asking help, it's like, we need to automate, we need to do more with less. Uh, and if you look statistically, uh, we've seen that on average, our customers, for every dollar they spend on technology, they spend annually about $6 in operating it. So we've been looking at how do we help optimize those costs? How do we drop those costs down and, and using uh, a combination of these personas? Uh, and some of these examples, I think, go across all the personas that we can demonstrate. Uh, we talk about NetApps, about how we automate uh, certain tasks that the engineers can do. But also we're looking at how do we enable and bridge a skill gap here uh, in order to, uh, by tooling and providing a lot more visibility to the help desk or the early career folks. So they're able to systematically uh, be able to work and troubleshoot issues and minimize escalations into the back end as well. 
Uh, and this is just another way that we help uh, we help drive automation because now there's consistency in how things are being troubleshoot. And uh, if also if you're talking about how Len said, like you have for example 500 switches, uh, when you have an early career person. You don't. You want to make sure that they they can get onto the right switch, that they're not typing the wrong command, or put or creating potentially more risk even while troubleshooting. While we provide a set of automated tools in order to be able to do so. Uh, another way to also look at our uh, the level up automation that we do is uh, as DevOps with APIs. Um, Lenny talked about how uh, we can we can use the APIs to program uh, as we talk about standardized uh, SDN where you have northbound and southbound uh, APIs. Uh, we also have uh, APIs to do integrations with things such as um, ServiceNow is, is one simple example. So. Uh, typically, as you, as technicians work issues, they're gonna a lot of times work those through a ticketing system. Uh, so, DNA Center through our DevOps uh, interface is able to go ahead, open a ticket in ServiceNow in order to, uh, and will also enrich the ticket with a lot of contextual information about what the issue is. Now, as a technician goes and works the issue, uh, they will be closing the ticket because that's, for example, how a lot of it is measured. Uh, with, but once you close the ticket in ServiceNow, we also have the ability to go back in and at the same time uh, clear the issue in DNA Center. So uh, even automating so you don't have to go and do cleanup work or end up having uh, inconsistencies uh, left behind where an issue has been resolved but not really acknowledged. Right. So let me let me key off of something that you both have just said. You know, Len said with great with automation comes great responsibility. I think he's stealing a line from Spider-Man with with great power comes great responsibility. And in that case, it's a spider web. But in DNA Center, we don't think of that as a spider web, but rather a safety net. So with automation and the ability to think about ServiceNow integration, one of the capabilities that we are building and offering to our customers is the ability to inspect the change that we're going to push to the controller. So, when a, when, a, when a user or a network administrator comes and does an out-of-the-band change, goes to the CLI and makes a change, Cisco DNA Center can learn that, understand what that change is, what is the impact on configuration and compliance, and report back. If, let us say, you're using templates and making a change, we can detect if that template that you're trying to push is going to be in conflict with the existing policy and we'll allow the network administrator to review and approve the change. That is where that responsibility part comes in. So we are enabling the network administrator to explicitly approve a change so that we don't cause an unintended side effect of a configuration change that gets pushed out. The last thing that you want to do with the immense power of automation is to cause a system-wide outage. There's a potential for that. And we are putting in checkpoints to make sure that we provide the administrator the ability to review and then approve, and then that change gets pushed, that change gets notified through the ServiceNow ticket, and then we have a closed loop system to be able to identify what the change needs to be, has the change been implemented, and then approve that change, and so on and so forth. And so now we're moving into that world of now not only do we have compliance, but we are making sure that change management is notified, right? 
That's um, that's a really really handy feature to have. We're seeing that more and more these days. And we have also ability as we talk about uh, ServiceNow to integrate into a change management function. So if you need to do something, you can open an issue and then take it through a change management before you do something drastic uh, like a, a upgrade a switch. Mm-hmm. You know, we're talking about some really sophisticated things. DNA Center even brings down to the table of just being able to upgrade my iOSs across the network, right? I can look in one dashboard and I can see what iOS version I'm running down the board. If I need to push a change, I can do an upgrade from that. Those, These little daily tasks are very nice. And, and one great sales point I have is once I've built out all my locations, I can then show a network diagram and export that. I don't know as an engineer, I have spent hours and hours drawing Visios and doing ShowDP commands to build a network. And once I get everything inside DNA Center, it kind of automatically does that for me. That's to me, that's that's a real powerful of, of how this works and does. A picture is worth a thousand words, and when you have the L two L three topology view, right? It's magic. It's literally magic to be able to see those devices, and to be able to identify, you know, to tag a gold configuration, and to be able to push that uh, to those devices, thereby reduce the number of versions that needs to be maintained and reduce the ex- potential exposure due to P-certs or, or other vulnerabilities. Right? Uh, so Len, spot on. But I wanted to, you know, Mark is a security expert and uh, wanted to see what Mark thinks about this kind of a capability and what he has seen there as well. I think if I if I look a little bit at the most recent customer topology, so we had, we had pretty much our regional sites, we had our regional core switches, and then we had pretty much the hub sites, we had the spoke switches. So if I need to look a little bit at how I would implement everything a little bit better going forward, I, pro- I probably would try to put all my sites into categories. And I would try to standardize pretty much the setup within a given category so it can easily be understood, easily be changed, and easily be replicated. From a security point of view, yeah, I want to have more control in the core switches. I want to have some controls in the hub sites. And I'm a little bit more flexible what happens in the high-end sites. So for me, having the possibility just to break it out in different architecture and be able to standardize them and get alerted if something critical changes is extremely, extremely critical. And that's what I like about it. Uh, so, Mark, I have, I have a question for you uh, as far as you, you brought up NetSec and, and the security background. Uh, one of one of the things that we have the ability to do now is we have the ability to show you when there is a, a P cert or a security vulnerability uh, against against the switch, and also make recommendation of what version you need to do so. Uh, in your past experience, how much time would those activities consume uh, as opposed to doing this within DNA Center? That's a very that's a that's a very interesting question, and I would say there are two scenarios now. There is the customer, which is, I would call it the all-in customer to Cisco. Um, they will definitely appreciate that functionality a lot. 
because it will make their life so much easier. The problem is if you are a customer which has mixed environments like Cisco, Pants, and you call them, they have them, then they usually, from a security, from a NetSec point of view, they have a vulnerability management program. And the vulnerability management program then uses very often a tool which is not vendor specific, it's vendor agnostic because they need to have an overview of the whole landscape of all the systems, switches, routers, even servers and workstations. And there, I would say, they have their defined processes already where they scan everything. And they don't care if it's Cisco or non-Cisco. They just say that's their responsibility. That's what the vulnerability program does. But for a shop which is really only Cisco, that is very, very helpful because you don't need that extra layer on top. And it also helps you to automate changes. Because scanning is only one side. Then getting all those correct software releases tested, deployed and validated, that's where the time is spent. Security is only as strong as the weakest link in the chain. So you do the scanning, and what I have found running large networks is, yes, there are in a multi-vendor, in a heterogeneous environment, there is a, there is a process, but most of the time that I spent was trying to figure out which are my false positives. Just because I have a device or an or a operating system, depending on whether it's edge or access or core, doesn't mean that that vulnerability will be uh, will, can be exploited. If a vulnerability cannot be exploited, then the threat doesn't exist. And so the question is, how many of these false positives can I reduce? Because if I go and patch every device that has a potential vulnerability, then I'm going and touching devices that I don't need to. Right? And every time I change the configuration of a device, 70% of the network outages is because something changed in the configuration. But you ask and they say, no, 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 it's not, not, nothing changed, but there was an outage. Isn't that what we always hear as network engineers? We hear that all the time, but that's not the case. And so one other advantage here, um, and, and Mark, I wanted to uh, check the, test this with you is, yes, uh, there is an out-of-band scanning process, but part of that is also to identify the false positive and reduce that. So, uh, Len, Ken, what do you, Mark, what do you think? Um, I think it's a very, it's a very, it's a very valid point. For me, false positives, as you said, right, has two dimensions. A, number of alerts you care about and number of alerts you don't care about because it cannot be exploited because the whole switch is in-house only. You don't have everything, anything to the external world. And having that understanding, that's a little bit where the experience comes in because you need to do a fair assessment and really say, where in my environment could that be exploited under which conditions? And then it comes down to the case, how quickly can I fix it? Because all management cares is, oh, there's an exploit. 
they don't want to understand the details that it doesn't apply to you. They just want to know when is it fixed. And I think it's 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 you bring a really good point. Is we don't just uh, we don't just do the detection reporting, but we also give you the full workflow to take it through remediation. Whereas I think a lot of times, uh, as you said, like the NetSets people, they have their own tools that they use to scan. But then what they do is they go ahead and give a report over back to the network folks and say, hey, uh, here's your vulnerabilities. Uh, in this case, uh, we actually have the ability for you to to be more proactive about this because as soon as Cisco is aware and, is, and releases a vulnerability, you get to know about it and you can start taking actions and be more proactive on security as opposed to waiting for NetSec to let you know, hey, look what we found. So I agree with all of this, but once we're inside this SD access ecosystem, right, I have to make sure everything is in lockstep, right? My wireless is on this version. My switching is on this version. I need to make sure what my fusion is on, right? And, and what I'm doing with my all my BGP. I've got to make sure that ICE is on the correct version. So anytime I go to just to do an upgrade, I need to be very careful that I stay within that matrix. And sometimes I find... I need to patch because of this vulnerability, but I'm not approved based upon the matrix. How do we how do we begin to work through all that? We have an, another uh, alternative that uh, I think is very powerful, uh, especially with the iOS XE. Uh, we have the ability to deploy hot patches. So if you, for example, have a vulnerability uh, and you're stuck in a certain uh, version, uh, DNA Center can go ahead and deploy uh, an SMU or a hot patch to the equipment, and you can install it. Uh, at scale without having to reload the equipment. And then I just need to make sure that I'm not taken out of order and controlled node that's going to lose this this segment, right? So I got to make sure everything's redundant so that I can do this without losing my uptimes, right? Right, and the how patching does not do a reload. So this is where I think right, we, we don't think of this as element management system and really think about this as a network management system and a controller. And... And to the point that Len mentioned, there are, there are, this is a this is a sparse matrix, and and so you have to make sure that the the hardware versions, the software versions on the switching, the wireless iOS, they are all in uh, upgraded in lockstep, and so we have to make sure that we think of this as a system of overlay and underlay, with a controller that is helping the network administrator, the security administrator, the AOPS, to, to manage this network as a system with the ultimate goal of delivering traffic and a better user experience. Right? And that is one. And the second point that I, I wanted to, yeah, it's amazing how Mark and, and Len are, are saying different uh, same things in, in different contexts. It's just, you know, it's exciting for me. When Mark says, we want to understand the context of the device. And Len, earlier in this, in this conversation, said the topology view, the topology provides a context. If the device is within the firewall, if it is in an isolated network, if it is in a lab network, that is another way to reduce the, the false positives. So, you know, all these things come together, and it, it's really thinking about this as a system, as a solution as opposed to point pieces. Yeah, I definitely agree. And if you, if you look a little bit at the evolution of NetOps, I mentioned before, like automation is the next step. 
but we need to be careful with that because running a corporate network, what sounds for management very easy, is in reality one of the hardest tasks ever because you get a lot of alerts, you get a lot of events. And I would say you can probably automate 70% of them because they are recurring and you know a little bit why they are happening because of changes which are unapproved, whatever. The challenge I see is the remaining 30%. The remaining 30% is pretty much where you need to have all your experts because you not only need to have an understanding of the product, you also need to have an understanding how everything ties together to be a working network. And that's a little bit the challenge I will see in the future. We can only automate so much. There will still be enough work for all the network netsec ops people and the security geeks left behind. So that job is safe. Indeed, indeed. So Mark, what you're saying is we are not ready to submit Cisco DNA Center to the Turing test yet. I think you got my message right. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Thank you. So the question I have, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to kind of go in a bit of a different direction. I mean, we've talked about all the awesome benefits of DNA Center, how we can automate, we can do machine learning, we, it can automatically upgrade our network, it can segment using security group tags. But at the end of the day, we still have a bunch of old guys like me sitting in a chair and we're talking about Python and we're learning about our network is now running through a controller. So how do we train? How do we begin to adopt? How do we, how do we get this down into the hands of all the people so they can begin to take the next step in the vision be seen? I, I think you're kind of touching upon the DevOps persona when you talk about Python. And I think it, <clears throat> when we talk about NetOps, uh, a lot of uh, people think of this as I have to be a programmer. And to, and to that extent, I mean, there's a lot of programmability that can happen, but it really is a variant of the maturity and the size of the organization. But what we've tried to do with uh, DNA Center and DevOps is how do we make it consumable for a customer of any size? Uh, and, and that's why uh, all of our APIs can work with Python. And if you want to do the integration, if you want to, uh, we have business APIs, so you can even uh, drive intent. Uh, but also, it's like, how do we extend and integrate uh, the DNA Center into the large IT ecosystem? And we're finding that you may have an external reporting system. Uh, you may be advanced enough that you're able to go in and leverage Python. Uh, you might want to integrate into your ticketing system. Uh, you might want to push alerts into WebEx Teams, uh, as an example. Uh, uh, so it really depends on how do you want to consume and integrate DNA Center into your ecosystem. Yeah, I'm also talking about the worker. How do we, how do we begin to train our workers to take that gap? Right, there's a skills gap, in, in what's happening as we have this this thought change, this whole, the whole thought process. Right, rather than writing a hundred lines of ACLs, I now do a security group tag, and say fours can't talk to fives, right? And I push that out through just a, the push of a button. I think that's a, a fundamental change in how we navigate and operate our network. It's it's interesting, Len, because if, if I look a little bit the way how we approach things about 18 months ago and now how 
how everything has shifted. Like 18 months ago, it was still classical. You set up all the devices by hand. You just liked what you were doing and you, it made you feel good. About six months later, uh, we realized, okay, we need to store all the configurations and we need to normalize them so we can easily, more easily recover from if something bad happens. And we also have our audit trail. That means we have at least the last known good configuration. If something happens, we can always go back. Another six months, you pretty much say, okay, now with all of Terraform and so on, I pretty much want to export a configuration and I want to leverage CloudFormation or Terraform to play it back and deploy it. But then you realize, okay, I play it back now, but how can I see that it looks good? And for me, that's where DNA Center comes into play now because I can deploy a device as scripted as DevOps, but then I see the big picture in DNA Center where I see the guardrails are being matched and I see it fits exactly into the architecture as I wanted it to fit. I would have to agree with those statements. I know that over the last two years, we've seen the DNA Center expand and become more and more stable and more useful as, as we've deployed it, right? Um, it's not necessarily the easiest beast in the world to upgrade, especially as a three node cluster, but you know, it's, it does work and, and, and we really appreciate that. Yeah. And, and we definitely appreciate the feedback and the guidance that we get from our customers, partners, our champions to evolve the product. And, and we are continuously working to make sure that we keep tying this all back together. Think about the persona. Think about the people, think about the, the AI ops and the net ops and the SecOps engineer and the DevOps engineer and say, okay, what jobs are they doing? How can we make our product easy to use, easy to install, easy to upgrade? And, and so, Len, as you rightly pointed out, as the systems become more complex, as the network becomes more complex, there are more moving parts, but we are always looking to see how we make uh, three node cluster upgrade just as easy as a single node cluster single node upgrade we are looking to see how we can keep an SDA fabric environment consistent and think of that as a system and a solution we can we think about network automation and security in the same breath we think about automation and DevOps in the same breath right so we, we are trying to connect these dots and that's what this conversation is all about starts with the people and then understand how uh, we enable the product enables them to succeed in doing their jobs even though mark says we all are going to be gainfully employed for employed for the next 10 years we still want to have fun doing our jobs and that's what cisco dna center is focused on not if i won the lottery <laughs> but you mentioned a good point uh, you asked you talked about enablement where can our customers learn more about dna center wow uh, we have so many resources uh for our customers uh to learn more uh, or also uh folks who would like to be our customers uh for one thing we have dcloud if you go to to uh dcloud.cisco.com uh, we have the ability for you to run and play with DNA Center. 
Uh, we also have, if you go to YouTube, there's a DNA Center channel where we have a lot of great videos uh, showing you uh, in, in very short, like 10 minute videos, how to do different levels of automation and different tasks through DNA Center. Uh, there's a lot of documentation and also uh, we have a, a good number of blogs uh, that that uh, amplify and explain uh, different concepts and, and different thought leadership areas with DNA Center on how to help accelerate digital transformation. Thank you. All right. Well, Blaje Shai, just one last check in. Anything that we didn't cover before we, we close out here? Okay. Well, well, nicely done. This was a great conversation. Um, to our listeners, if you want to check out those resources that Shai just mentioned, uh, check out the links provided in the show notes below. And of course, your weekly reminder, you could subscribe to Cisco Champion Radio on your favorite streaming platform and receive alerts on our latest releases. So wherever you're listening to us, make sure to click on that subscribe or follow button now. Thank you for listening in. See you again next week. <laughs>